I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Match Ball. podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. There's a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. And I'm joined by Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Leeds 3, Southampton nil. A game that was basically the opposite of Michael's lovemaking. It, it got more enjoyable as it went on. Interesting. Um, 90 <laughs> minutes though. Not, not been achieved for some years. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? In the end. In the end, I was uh, I was nervous in the first half, I have to say. About 10 minutes in, I was thinking to myself, I'm sure at one point we were saying how enjoyable this season was, and I'm not enjoying that. Well, you'd said uh, some weeks previous, I think it was on the Phil Hay show, that you can generally suss out which way a game's going to go within the first five minutes. What were you feeling early doors? No, this time not, actually, because they had some really good chances, didn't they? And should have been one or two up in the first, was it seven minutes or something? They had those two really good chances. I mean, the header was a particularly good one because he's, Scored quite a few this year as well as uh, Vestergaard. So we did get away with it. But overall, we deserved to win, didn't we, by the end? I mean, we were in their box before they were in our box. It started off that way. And um, as all Leeds United games do, yeah, I think you have to throw in the cliche. Very entertaining in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, it uh, it ended a lot better than it started. It ended very nicely. And no man more pleased, I dare say, than uh, Urente, who made it through 90 minutes, bless him. And he has become something of a punchline recently for his injury, so it was, it was genuinely nice to see him get through that. It was, and he grew into it, I think. In the first half, he did a few quite awful passes, and I think he slipped a couple of times when when he looked like he was trying to just gather his foot in to work out what he was doing, and it just all looked a little bit like someone who hadn't played in months, which which is what he is. And by the end, he was all right, and I think it was his pass out of defence that set up Bamford, wasn't it? Wasn't it him to Roberts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To Bamford, so... Played a, played a part in the goal, almost scored a goal as well, which was a really good save from McCarthy. So good to see a centre-back bombing on. That that chance had the highest XG of the game, I think, at 50%, that one. Um, we out-XG'd and we out-scored him. It was uh, it was nice a nice attacking performance. And quite frankly, it should have been 9-0, like they lost at Old Trafford in the end. I mean, the first goal, if it's that easy to score against them, it does make you wonder why we didn't get nine. Why can't we just do that nine times? It made life a, a lot easier and you could understand why... Um, even a team as awful as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer manages were able to do that. That first half as a whole, I wrote down at half time that it was all a bit chaotic. It got very stretched. There was no proper shape and form to it. Would you agree with that? I think so. It felt like it wasn't particularly working through the middle 
I, I didn't feel like Roberts or Click were particularly getting on the ball enough. Click had a few nice passes, but I don't know. It felt like it just felt like all a bit of a muddle in there. We when we're at our best, we really slick through midfield, and it's felt like that's not been there for a while. Actually, I guess since Calvin's not been there, pulling the strings at the back of it, but it somehow improved when we were forced to make changes. It was very Southampton. It was what Southampton do in the first half. I was intrigued because Hassan Hurdle said yesterday that him and Bielsa are complete opposites in the way they think about football. So I was um, curious to know what he thinks about football and from what I could gather from reading around um, all the stuff about his tactics and him being the alpine clock and alpine clock (laughs) with the birds come out and they say cuckoo, an alpine clock and um, gegen pressing and all this stuff. And what it it seems to boil down to is that his belief in football is that you um, press the defenders really aggressively and really high, hoping that they'll make mistakes. And it's, um, which is fairly standard, but his dream is that Shea Adams, for example, will harass Liam Cooper into making a mistake in a position that means Shea Adams can just kick the ball straight into the goal from where the mistake is made, basically. You should be able to score within 10 seconds of winning the ball, is his thing. And that doesn't mean winning the ball back on halfway and then three passes on the counter-attack it means forcing mistakes on the defenders and it there Southampton and his teams previously are all trained to look for when the goalkeeper passes to a centre back, bang, they're onto him. If he, if they pass to a full back, bang, somebody else is onto him. And that's the way it all works. And it worked very well against us in the first half. We were struggling to get out. There were mistakes all over. Luke Ayling was putting the ball out for a throw in. There were times when I saw Luke Ayling getting the ball, it was seemed to be particularly his side because Teller, who obviously became a, a the main character in the game for a while, um, was really in his face a lot. And there was a point where I think there were about six Southampton players in that area around Llorente and Ailing and Llorente coming back in to that game first on that pitch against that team who love trying to get a mistake out of defenders um, makes it him just getting to half time without cocking up spectacularly was... Uh, was even better. And then once we've gone ahead, like I think we um we calculated then that we didn't need to be uh um we didn't need to give in to that style of play as much because we could just give them the ball because with the ball they're shit. Yeah, and, and leave space behind them. Well let's talk about that first half and, and teller and that penalty incident first of all and then the free kick because that's gonna be where Southampton are gonna claim an injustice. And it wasn't in the slightest on either was it? But no one is gonna watch that again and say that's a penalty. Southampton fans and ex-players and turned pundits. Even Southampton fans can't say it's a penalty. They can they can because they'll lie to themselves. <laughs> That's how it will happen. Matt Letizia is tweeting about it saying that they can't believe the standard of refereeing. He doesn't mean it. He can't <laughs> he can't be serious. He just knows that he's lying because he can say anything on Twitter so he just lies. I mean, it was a bit nervy when that penalty was given and it's annoying, but they do it almost give them now just so they've got the the luxury of checking. And he did check and quite rightly didn't give a penalty. I think I did shout fuck off as he gave it. Yeah. Because it looked like a dive. I know we had Prutton and someone else commentating, didn't we? And they were saying, oh, well, in fairness, in real time, it did look like a penalty. No, it didn't. It didn't at all. It looked like a complete dive. It looked like he'd gone down the outside of him and thought, he's probably going to try and tackle me, so I'm just going to clatter my right leg into him and then go down. Which yeah, he, he dragged his leg. Has VAR actually stopped cheating whatsoever? It feels like, if anything, it's given more of a justification for going down because this can slow it down to such a degree that they can go, well, if you look, there is there is actually contact there. Yeah. When he goes past, the knee does brush his thigh and that maybe that is enough for 
So it's not enough to overrule the decision on the pitch, is it? Um, and I know what you're saying. It, it feels like it hasn't quite found its equilibrium yet because players are sussing it out and seeing what they can get away with. And they realise these days with refereeing as it is that actually, you know, the slightest bit of contact will... They'll go, oh, well, there was some contact, so we might as well give it. And they're just trying to look, aren't they? Like, really, like, like naughty kids trying to test the boundaries. He should have been dragged off to the edge of the pitch and beaten senseless for doing that. By Berardi? A volunteer, Victor Orta maybe, as well. <laughs> he could have been involved. But, like, fuck off with it. It's awful. And it, I mean, you feel a bit sorry for... I know it's not our position to defend referees, but having to deal with players who do that, it's not easy, is it? Because... You'd normally expect there to be at least a challenge gone in, but there was not even a tackle. Llorente very clearly stops himself from putting a foot in because he knows what he's going to do, but he doesn't stop him going over. I thought it would have been appropriate for the penalty to stand just so Llorente could give one away on his debut in kind of sympathy to Cork <laughs> and kind of repeat the process. Um, but the attitude towards referees... Not I his think, debut. Um, home debut. And I think, weren't they saying... It, they said this and it threw me. And so I was assuming they were right. Did he start at Chelsea? I thought he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it made me think, as they said this was his, his first Premier League start, it made me think, oh, did he come on early and, and go off? It's his home debut, at least, wasn't it? I think that's right. Probably. Anyway. Got a great reception. <laughs> well, as good as anybody else has had this season. So talk about the free kick, anyway. Well, that's what I was going to come on to, because the attitude towards referees that Michael mentioned, I was just going to say, you do go for those those dives, because you think, well... Fucking Kevin Friend's going to be looking at it, and he's an idiot. So I may as well give it a go. <laughs> but then the the free kick um, was one where I know Leeds did it in the nineteen seventies and on all this, but usually with some justification. Whereas that seemed so absolutely cut and dried that when the players started running around the referee saying you should have let that goal stand, and the referee standing there saying, "Well, as soon as you took that free kick, I blew my whistle to oh, say it wouldn't." So it, what the fuck? He are said, you even? He said, "I wasn't ready." He mouthed the words, "I wasn't ready," and it's not as if he just stood there and let it happen. He'd blown the whistle long before the shot was even taken at Melier. So it's all the players had stopped. Melier didn't try to save it. If Melier tried, tried, he would have saved that because he's incredible. That's the only reason the ball went in. He he was incredible tonight as well. Probably worth moving on to that because there's there's just no incident there. But you know that Sky are going to try and carve something out of it, and apparently did at half time. Say, so, oh, was it? Was it? Well, no, he blew once, as you said, Moscow, but then blew three times as well as to say, look, fucking bring it back. One, two, three. And what you can't see as well is that he's probably said to the players either at that exact moment or earlier in the game, I'll be blowing for you to take free kicks because that's quite often what wrestle yeah, yeah. do. They'll have like they'll have a system that they'll explain to players and they'll be like, wait for my whistle to take that. And they've just got now. Fuck it. We're going to take it anyway and score, and then hopefully you'll allow it because just cause. I think the one detail that we're talking about on our feed was that because he'd put his whistle in his mouth, that they tried to play as if oh he's about to blow it, so I'll take it right on the W of the whistle. But then he never blew um, because they didn't wait long enough. So they, he saw them take it, and he's like, well I've not blown yet, so then blew to stop. And then that's probably why he was able to blow so quickly after it was taken before it was scored because he was about to blow. And it probably worked out well for us because we weren't ready. We should mention that amazing um, tackle that happened in the first half as well when Rafa was was cleaned through a few minutes after the VAR penalty um, incident. I mean, bloody hell, what a tackle that was. You, you're kind of watching it thinking, no, he's got no right to make that. Surely we get something for that. And uh, It was like Zaliukas against Watford mm. was the one it reminded me of. But yeah, it was it was good. I mean, in fairness, two of our goals were scored when he was off the pitch, I think, because he was, he was probably their best player, I would say, Romeo. He was holding it together for him and tidying up a lot of stuff in midfield. He was part of the reason I think it wasn't particularly working through us through the middle of the pitch. So when he went off, 
We could do what the fuck we wanted. I'd probably still give him man of the match for that tackle. Actually. It was an unbelievable tackle. No, like you're a, right. Like it was. a back pass to me. And I was glad as well that it was so clean because I think um, the way Rafinha went rolling off towards, um, I think he ended up in the Peacock car park, was uh, didn't have a great look about it given what had just gone on with Teller. So Teller diving. We hate that. Rafa, mm. you're fine. Oh, there was contact though. He got. There was a lot of man and ball. It was a great tackle. No, yeah. absolutely no argument. It's a penalty, but he did also get. He's quite a chunky lad. He did get quite a lot of Romeo under his legs as but well. But nobody rolls like that <laughs> if they're seriously hurt. It's it's one of those, you inertia alone would stop him. Friction on that fucking, well, I suppose, actually, there might be enough, uh, enough like zip, Teflon, fucking zip Teflon, off the it, top yeah. of the pitch that he just goes flying. So maybe I, I take it back and I think uh, you were out, him. You were out of the room when Bamford described it as like Winter Wonderland on the pitch. <laughs> With another bit of side eye, as if to say, I'm not supposed to be talking about this again. Let's talk about half-time then, and the change that was made, and Harrison going off again. He's just not quite there at the minute, is he, little Jackie? Uh, gone off the boil, but Costa... One of the Since things, we did that quiz. Yeah, that is true. The, this is the quiz on the extra ball, by the way. Um, the, the Jackie, Jackie quiz. The Jackie annual, 1983. Makes sense when you hear it, almost. Uh, John House has been in touch, saying uh, on Twitter, pointing out that um, Hernandez has still got it, and Costa has found it again, so... Fair play to Costa. He was decent that second half, wasn't he? Important as well. I think he, there's been a growing pressure, admittedly, partly from us, I guess, just for him to do something, though, because he seems to... We've not really known what Costa's for for a while. He yeah, seems to come on and not do a great Phil deal. Hay, Phil Hay said the same, and people listen to him. That's yeah. true. Um, but he was good. He was, and I don't know what's wrong with Harrison at the moment. Moscow is his agent. Have you got any explanation? Um, identity, do you want John, John, John Bataka back? Identity crisis. I don't know if he's Jack or Jackie at the moment. Does him Bless him. Um, it's funny with Costa and also with Tyler Roberts. Um, Tyler wasn't at his best tonight, and I think because the um, a lot will have been to do with what we were talking about in the first half. That just getting over halfway was very difficult. The way Southampton played, and because we kept making mistakes at the back, there wasn't the opportunities then for Click and Roberts to assert themselves in the game, and that probably contributed to Harrison as well going off. And I think you could have made an, a decent argument that you take Rafinha off at half time because he wasn't doing anything, but then. Nobody was doing anything. Never, never take Rafinha off. And, no, which that's an, proven. It's a terrible argument. But then you look <laughs> at um, Costa, came on at Arsenal, scored, um, came on here, got an assist. Should have scored. Should have scored. Tyler Roberts, um, he got the assist for um, Costa Should have scored two. Should have got the assist against Wolves, but it was that pixel offside for Bamford. Um, and should have scored tonight, but then did get the assist for Bamford. Um, and I know we said before how easy it was for that goal. And I can't make my mind up about Tyler Roberts' pass. It's either the greatest through ball that's been played in the last, well, since Pablo Hernandez lasted one, or it was just a wide open pitch. And again, him receiving the ball from Llorente there. I can't decide if that was really clever movement from Tyler Roberts. That, because again, in my deep analysis of uh, um, the Rabbit Hutch's um, style of play, they do leave space for the attacking midfielder and it felt like a game where Tyler Roberts could do something. Did he find that space brilliantly or was it just that Southampton's players just completely switched off? I don't know. I think the, the only solution is we'll just have to play him again in the next game and see how he does in that one. <laughs> and the other point about this is, you know, when you're judging players like Tyler Roberts and as you've pointed out, uh, Moscow is, is a little way back in his development further back than Calvin Phillips was when everyone was calling him shit. He's still a very young man. Yeah, he's got a lot of developing to do. and, and At a very point, high level. And the point is, he's in the Premier League and he's holding his own. And when we do this sort of analysis and we are judging what these players are doing, we're always doing it 
against an impossibly high standard, but we also understand that they can't be brilliant all the time and they will sometimes have good games and sometimes not so good games. And it's just about overall finding a, a high enough consistent level. And you can't really ask for more from them when they come on than a goal and or an assist. And every time they're coming on, they're doing that. And I think the rest of the game follows yeah, yeah, because yeah. that buys you the time to stay on the pitch and and get used to things. So yeah, and good on them both. And Costa being at least a good alternative to Harrison helps us because Pervader's injured and it means that when he does come on, he's decent, he's better than him coming on and being worse than Harrison. So that helps because that wasn't helpful to anyone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Second half, then far more comfortable than the first, particularly when you get your noses in front just after half time, so 48 minutes. Um, nice, yeah, as we said. Urente to Roberts to Bamford and another cracking finish. He just uh, got it exactly where he needed it to go. He's got it got it in this year, hasn't he, Bamford, these goals? I just don't think he'd have scored it last year. It's weird, isn't it? He's, yeah. got, he's become a really good finisher and I, I don't know when it's happened particularly. But yeah, great and really nice... The way he steps over the ball to get his body in front of the defender as well just gives him a second longer. He just opens up the angle for it and it's it's great. He's done really, really well, yeah. And if you actually look at his positioning, the angle from behind the goal is a good one there as well. How he just drifts off the centre-half and goes into that gap between the two defenders and neither of them's picking him up or switched on enough to pick him up and uh, made himself the space that he needed to twat it in the net. And we know from himself about his own improvement that he's been to Bielsa and saying, how can I get better? And that he's got, got told to uh, to watch videos of Erling Haaland and that's something that happened after this season started so it's no wonder that he's suddenly um, scoring goals because he's he's tried learning how to do it <laughs> <laughs> but it is an it's a, a noticeable improvement and uh, um, that finishing and it, it was a difficult chance it was a great through ball but it was by no means um, easy for him to finish from there but it's kind of in that same zone that he was in at Leicester to whack it in the top corner and Wolves to whack it in the top corner, but it was disallowed. And then um, bottom corner this time is 
just keep putting it on his left foot. That's his good one. And he's better at finishing now than he was before he looked at how other people do it. Yeah, because if you're getting worse at finishing, that's not good. If you're getting better at finishing, that's good. Did miss a chance with his right foot, didn't he, actually? When it was... It just was proves my point. Even played further. across the box to him, but, you know, <laughs> what does it matter? Yeah, well, the shape of the game for the sort of 10 or 15 minutes after that goal is quite indicative of how it, it changed because um, we had that Rafinha cutback to Roberts, one of many that, that happened during the game where Roberts, you know, he opened up his body and he put it across the far post when really... Oh, he scored. It's well the one yeah. in the first half where he put it in the south stand as well. It's a bit... Um, now, Rafinha should have gone down then, actually. That was the one where he was running to the box and he got a, a bit of a clip, didn't he, but squared it to Roberts instead. Oh, well. And then uh, just after the Almark, the point-blank uh, save from from Urente. So at that point, it, look, it looked a lot more relaxing, wasn't it? I enjoyed that second half a lot more than the first. Don't know about you. I did. When Minamino and Ings came on, I thought we were in a potential, well, not in bother, but I thought we were going to be tested. Weren't at all, were we? But at that point, when you're putting on attacking subs, it does stretch the game a bit, doesn't it? And particularly if they're not up to like the, the speed of the game. I don't know. It sometimes can add that element of chaos into a team trying to claw it back and give you a bit more space. Yeah, maybe so. I just felt like it. It's certainly in the old days of pre-Bielsa, you look at players like that coming on and you go, oh, well, they've scored. Normally, some, in the championship, it would have been like Billy Sharp coming on and you would have gone, Lee Tomlin. Oh, well, he's going to score, isn't he? Of course he is. <laughs> Lee fucking it felt like that. strike, just take me off, boss. <laughs> but it felt like that with these two coming on, but they, they don't even care anywhere near, did they? I think Che Adams chesting at Melier was about as close as they came. Well, the nearest one I can think of was uh, Bamford attempting to kick Melier's head into the goal <laughs> off a corner. <laughs> <laughs> which was um, close. And there were a couple of crosses that kind of um, were dangerous, but but more because um, they looked like they might go straight in than that, you know, one of their strikers was going to head them in. They weren't, they had a lot of pressure, but I think, as we said, that was kind of calculated. Leeds knew you can just let them have the ball because with the ball, they're not that good. They don't like building up play. They want you to have the ball and make a mistake. But we'd scored, so we didn't have to do a single thing after that. <laughs> Apart from score a couple more. And um, a note for Costa, the moment that really stood out, more so than anything necessarily did on the ball, was when he was chasing down that um, that ball that was going out for a dead ball on 72 minutes. And that's the sort of stuff, you know, we were saying like in recent weeks, you kind of almost don't know what he's for, what he's doing. To have that amount of focus and determination is really, really good to see. Maybe it's a confidence thing. We kind of wanted him to just force the issue a bit, haven't you, with, with Costa, whether it's chasing stuff down like that or just running at people. Because... It frustrates me sometimes how he doesn't run at people as well because he can he can do it. He's fairly quick. He's fairly skillful, and it just always feels like he's leaving a little bit behind yeah, somehow. It's yeah. like just 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 try really hard and you'll be good. I promise you. He looked good as well when he was chasing back when they counterattacked. Mm-hmm. Was it Minamino who kicked him for no reason? The ball was on the other side of the pitch and might come to him. So he thought, right before the ball is passed to me, I'm going to kick this guy who's overtaken me, and then everything will be fine because nobody will see it. Um, and we got the free kick, but when you saw on the replay, Costa was just absolutely sprinting past him. And um, even if the ball had gone over, you'd hope Costa would have been able to deal with whatever came. It always felt like we were going to win that. I felt, in, you know, like as we headed into the final quarter of the game. But then to get that two 0 with Dallas uh, and a really nice goal, actually, just I think that was it. Game over. You knew it was done then. Dallas came into the game, didn't he? I thought he was quiet in the first half, which was maybe why we weren't great because he makes us tick a lot of the time, doesn't he? But did his usual mid-game positional shift as well, didn't he? Which he, he seems to do without fail and improved, I would there, say. There is, I think, I mean, I was sort of making it as a bit of a joke, but there's, I think there's a fair argument for him being nominated for Footballer of the Year this year. I think he's been brilliant. 
he's probably is our player of the season. I would say. I mean, no, Bamford, overall footballer. Oh no, I know. Oh, for he won't get that though, will he? But well, who cares about Kevin De Bruyne? He, I mean, he probably should. But he's is he being our best player? I don't know. Bamford's been incredibly good. I think Cooper's been really good in recent weeks as well. But yeah, in fact, Shane Russell um, tweeted us in the second half then asking for uh, some Cooper love, saying he was really, really good. I enjoyed him absolutely whacking. I think it was, it might have been Shea Adams in the box. It was like a tackle that just sort of went through him and sent him flying. And was obviously, there was never even a replay of it to suggest that there was anything like a foul, but I just enjoyed it. It was like the, uh, he enjoyed that cruncher at Leicester. I think he'll probably be looking back on that one and say, yeah, I'd put another one on the floor. I mean, that stuff is what makes the game exciting. And we were talking about how the game's kind of gone in a way, you know, like with that VAR thing and how, oh, you know, what we said at Wolves, the VAR decision and, and that penalty tonight, is, is this what it's come to? And the fact that all that physicality has been removed from the game. So it's nice to see just a bit of needle. And even that, that Romeo tackle as well, that was good old-fashioned, just well-timed. Took the ball, then took the man. And nobody, I mean, I think Rafinha would have liked a penalty if one was offered. But nobody really said anything. Everyone's just like, wow, that was good. Question, do you think that might have been given elsewhere on the pitch? If it had been in midfield and he'd done that tackle where he's taken the man. You've seen him given this season, haven't you? Fallen man. Only if the referee was a fucking idiot. I, mean, I know I, that's I'm, always a tight run. I'm not in, in any way, shape or form advocating for that being given as a penalty, by the way, I should say, because it wasn't. It was a brilliant tackle, but just curious as to how referees apply standards differently. So, yeah, that, I mean, what happened in the, in the build-up to the Dallas goal? I've just put Dallas toe end in capital letters. Well, that was, um, it was Pablo, wasn't it, to begin with, mm-hmm. then to, to Dallas, to Costa, yes. to Dallas. Correct. Well done. <laughs> it was, And it was a... An improvised finish, I will say, yeah. from Dallas. It was just a, was it a toe poke? I suppose it sort of was. I think the players were converging on him in front of him and really making a very small space for him to shoot through. I think he calculated that the, the most, the easiest way of being precise was outside of the boot or toe and into the corner. He, he put, put it in with his wedding toe, didn't he? Just out towards the little, the little pinky toe. It's a wedding toe. Same as your wedding finger. <laughs> put on your feet. You don't have a wedding toe. I think so. I did just make it up. Oh, okay. No, but it was he was um, stretching for it as well, very slightly. And it, again, it's not one of those things where you're talking about him calculating it. It's, it's a calculation that's done in a microsecond, isn't it, in the brain of a professional footballer who just decides to do what's best and pokes it into the net. I feel like Stuart Dallas might be the new um, the new Pablo in that he's someone that we, we just wish he could be younger because he's, what, is he about 30 now? Let's get another fight. He's improving at this rate. If he was 25 right now, we could have another... Another decade of brilliant Stuart Dallas, but he's maybe that's why we think of uh, like Dallas and Cooper and um, and Ailing all in the same breath. They are great mates, obviously, but because they are all exactly the same age or thereabouts. Yeah, I just I don't know where Dallas's ceiling is in terms of ability. Like if you dropped him straight into a Champions League final, it'd probably be <laughs> yeah, quite it'd be absolutely fine. Probably be, probably be decent in it. Like, he's just he's just brilliant every time we wherever you play him and whoever he plays against, he looks good. It's the same as. Bielsa said that about Click, didn't he? That he could play for any team in the world. And I think we've got quite a few players who sort of... Liam Cooper could probably play in a Champions League final and he'd be fine. Just block. Block and tackle and head and try not to fuck up. And you can do that at any level. So... Go do that. <laughs> I mean, it'll work for us when we are in the Champions League final and those are the players who are playing for us. And we've made it this far into the podcast, um, into sort of the last five minutes or whatever, without mentioning this guy, um, or much anyway, Rafinha. Scorer of the third, 84 minutes. Kicked it dead hard into the net, didn't he? Knew he'd score after he got tackled when he was thrown goal. Furious, wasn't he? I mean, he should have scored. The tackle was great, but just sh- kick the fucking ball. Hmm. You, I mean, I feel like I'm taking the words no, out no, of your you've, mouth. No, no, you've read it. You've, you know what you're doing. You've, you've <laughs> been briefed. 
<laughs> You're a skilled practitioner of the, the Norminton method. But he had several opportunities that you thought as he's taken the ball into the penalty, he'll just shoot. Alex mm. McCarthy's okay, but he's not that good. You can get it past him from there, as he later proved from much further out. If he can score past a wall of players from 35 yards, he could score that one from 20 yards when there's nobody in front of him. So rubbish, <laughs> what, I, what I think about Rafinha. But a good free kick. Yeah, yeah that kind of saved his yeah. reputation. <laughs> Um, and of course, the, the nice um, handwritten vest tribute that said, uh, much strength for the Assis uh, Moreira family, rest in peace, Donna Miguelina, which is a tribute to the family of Ronaldinho after his mother died at the weekend. So a lot of that going on, um, obviously with the tribute to, to Granny Val, we saw there on the on the shirt as well. So quite an emotional night in the end. Don't book him for taking his shirt off. It's 3-0 in the last minute. Just let him have it. I know there's rules, but yeah, there. Just apply some common sense. It'll never catch on. Um, Bielsa's been saying about Rafinha actually in the post-match. I sincerely think I can add very little to his game. The best thing you can do with players so spontaneous is let them be themselves. Is to give them a new contract on enormous wages for a million years. Uh, would you file uh, Gianni Alioski as a player so spontaneous that they have to <laughs> let them be themselves? Yeah, he was a bit Alioski-ish, wasn't he, today? But, you know, fine. God bless him. He had his he moments. He comes on, he tries. Yeah. Rafinha, I... Is it fair to say, is it premature yet to say that he's one of the best Leeds players of my lifetime? In terms of actual ability, I genuinely think he's yeah. he's probably as good as anyone we've had. I'm yeah. not, I'm not yeah. suggesting it's going to turn out the same way, but when you look back at Tony Yeboah, for example, his actual number of games played for Leeds is relatively low compared to some of our other great players. But and He um, was world-class in those games. He was. Impact is the thing. How many games did he play for us? 47 appearances for Leeds United. How many goals did he score? Was it 20-odd? Um, let's have a look at his proper statistics. So it was... Um, you know, it's funny when you, you started that sentence, the player I was thinking, I thought, well, I wonder who's going to make a comparison with here. But yeah, I was thinking you both too. Uh, league and Cup, so to count everything, it's 66 appearances, 32 goals. Rafinha is a lot younger than Yeboa though, because Yeboa was in the, approaching 30 and, if you believe some reports, <laughs> over 30 well, when he, he signed at, for us. He was still a relatively young man when George Graham decided he'd had enough of him and he was much happier with Mark Haley on loan. Um, Are you suggesting we shouldn't replace Rafinha the Ian Rush? Derek Lilly is possibly not the standard of player that we need to bring <laughs> in. But um, but just to the reason I brought that up is not because um, Rafinha will be leaving before his time, but because players can... You know, obviously, I mean the the foot the coverage focused on the Norman Hunter and Trevor Ch- Cherry banners for a while, and was thinking about Granny Val and Ronaldinho's mum, legends and people who've made lasting contributions over a long time. But it's not actually unreasonable to say, yeah, he's he's played what ten games, whatever. <laughs> I could build the statue. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've had a, a tweet from Craig Smith who's saying it's a big call, but he thinks Rafinha is the best signing we've made since the start of the Premier League. It's probably a little bit premature, but his quality is absolutely undeniable. I think he's brilliant, particularly in the context of the modern game. The start of this Premier League? or I think if it's all Premier League. I think it's 1992. Yeah, I okay. wouldn't go that because Yeboa and you'd probably say, all the like, trouble aside, uh, Lee Bowyer, Lucas Radaby. Yeah, I mean, Rio you, Ferdinand, Matt Viduca, Oli Decor. Uh, There's lots of good ones. And the account players who were signed for the academy. I mean, it would be unfair to kind of leave out Gary Kelly, who played 500 games and right back to all that kind of stuff. But in and of himself, yeah, it's like who who has been more exciting. I will say this as well. It can't hurt in terms of what we do next season that we are sitting in the top half of the table and you've got a player as good as him 
and maybe if you're, I don't know, Rodrigo de Paul sat there thinking, which which team that's got 11 wins do I want to go to? Is it Liverpool where I probably won't get a game? There's they're only on, one of us sat here thinking. Clearly, they're clearly on the, de- Rodrigo on, de Paul. The, they're on the decline uh, following their league title win. But look at this team on the up where I'm going to be a first choice player and I get to play with that bastard. Well, we are wedged at the moment in between the big six teams of Tottenham and Arsenal. So Were they uh, advocating breaking away and doing a European league? I think they were. Oh, they wanted more control of this one at least, didn't they? But they are shit, both of them. Well, not shit because we're <laughs> worse than one of them. But <laughs> you know what I mean. They're not as good as they think they are, is what I'm saying. And we're, you know, can go ahead of Villa now with a win at the weekend. We're five points behind Liverpool. Are we mathematically safe yet? Not mathematically, but... We are, aren't we? Are you, are you, do you think we're safe? Is probably even more powerful than maths. I think we are safe. It's a big call. There's a big call. I mean, like Sheffield United. Sheffield United. I'm not worried about Sheffield United. Well, they, I will say that. They've got 13 games, um, which is 39 points, and they've got to make up 24 points on us now. Sheffield United won't catch us. The only people who could maybe catch us would be Fulham. And even if they did, they would most probably catch Newcastle, who are also absolute shit. Yeah. Apart from Alan St. Maximan, who we could have next year. Yeah, I mean, I say thir- 39 points left to play for for Fulham, and they are, as it stands, 13 behind us at the minute so it's a big ask it's a third of all points available it does make the rest of the season interesting boring it's a boring end to the season get ourselves dragged into a relegation battle I say from one point of view but it does I mean that early kind of um, achievement of staying in the Premier League which was the target and, and they've been saying all along that we need that second season to be able to then trigger stuff like we can properly get into the stadium we can decide what players we want next season it's one of the big things that um, I'm sure Dean Smith was minging on about it because one of the reasons they didn't improve at the start of this season was because they had such a threat of being relegated towards the end of last season it was the final day when they cheated and stayed up shouldn't have been shit then should they and that meant they didn't have the time to then get ready for this season because they didn't know what whether they were going to be in the championship or the Premier League so who do you buy who do you have to sell and in a very short post-season as it was this year, they had to worry. Now, Victor Orta can basically do all the transfer business he wants, floating in one of those inflatable unicorns in a pool, and just relax and enjoy it with a margarita, take his time, sign Rodrigo de Paul. I just had a look, Udinese, I think, are 14th in Syria. Admittedly, Juventus wants him in their third. They're not having him. No. Um, and he can go there after us. He can do the John Charles path. Treat Udinese like Swansea Town. And we need a new West Stand as well, don't we? <laughs> is he is he an arsonist? Does he have Steve Nichols' inclinations? <laughs> Will he be, um... uh, Steve, we should say just for the record, Steve Nichols is not an arsonist. He just uh, set fire to one of his teammates' wife's hair. When I was watching clips very much, Steve, which we, was it a deliberate act? I just need to clarify. Yes, we don't know for certain. No, he's. It was. He said his own words were. I just wanted to. I looked at her hair and decided to set fire to it. The fire, so. the fire looks so pretty. I like it when the flames lick up her head. That sort of Those thing. aren't exact quotes no. from what I remember, but it was, um, yeah, it was all fully intentional and aware. But um, On but, Steve Nicholl, are we saying now Leeds United in the Premier League sustainable? It looks that way, doesn't it? Sustaining for another year. No control. Tenth place looks pretty controlled. <sighs> There's only 20 teams in the division. Exactly, so we're doing, we're doing well. Overall thoughts on tonight then? Uh, Heroes and villains as well, we need to quickly pick those. Overall, it's nicer to win, isn't it? 
that's my controversial opinion. I think one thing it's nice this season is we've never had a bad run, have we? We've had a couple of defeats and then... We're never too far away from a win. We've won and then it's fine because you kind of, even though Fulham win, you just think, oh, well, doesn't really matter now. I am glad we got that second half because half-time was quite a different landscape when the people focused on West Yorkshire, I think. I think, speaking of Arsenal, probably people were going to try and light up that pitch if they could find any of it that was possibly dry enough to throw a match on. Um, Helder Costa coming on was obviously greeted with the typical moans of despair uh, crossed with why isn't it Roberts and then they both end up with assists so that's pretty good and um, yeah and just getting a win helps because we're it was teetering at times tonight I felt like there could have been a big drop in the in the mood that after losing to Wolves and Arsenal before that it could have been um, three in the row would have been unhelpful and it was also getting back home and the, there was a big there was some onus on the pitch of like no it's all going to be fine now it's had a couple of a couple of weeks since we last played on it and there's been at least an hour of dry weather um, <laughs> we put a full lakes worth of water onto it though just and to even make though, sure uh, Pat Bamford again has, has risked the club fine I presume by saying um, I think the exact quote was I'm, I'm not going to talk about the pitch but it was like winter wonderland at Christmas in some ways, though, it's done its job, the pitch. We've won a couple of games on it now, haven't we? So It's better than it was against Brighton, wasn't yeah, it? It just needs to be good enough. We've only got, what, eight games left on it or something? And the weather is improving. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, it, yeah we've had some sunshine. It but really they keep is. watering it. Why are they watering a wet pitch? Yeah, that's the that's the villainy of the piece, isn't it? Whoever's watering the pitch. Bielsa likes it yeah. fast and slick and wet, doesn't he? Stop it, Marcelo. Oh, <laughs> naughty man. Uh, all right, that wraps up the match ball for this one. We'll be back. Um, with the Phil Hayes show later on in the week we'll get a sensible take on things through Phil's eyes will you? probably not but we've got to do it contractually haven't we? I don't know yeah we'll look out for that and we'll speak to you soon see you in a bit bye The Match Ball Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 